This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue our study of the book of beginnings, Genesis, with Enosh to Enoch, Methuselah to Noah, corruption increasing, God speaks to Noah, and God's covenant with Noah foretold. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Christians, if you want to protect your children from this, you need to develop right now a pretty healthy understanding of civil disobedience. You cannot be a soft presence here in Sodom and expect your children to be okay. We have seen this huge increase in pet ownership in our country, and I think some of it is this desire for women to continue to mother someone or something, and pets have become really a surrogate to that because of the fact that we've decided that children are not the best way in which we ought to live our lives as women and mothers anymore. Read through the whole New Testament and all the explicit passages about baptism, and if you just, I think, ask that pretty basic question of who's doing the work in this passage? Is it man or is it God? Universally, it's it's God doing the work. It's something that's happening to you. Our defense is the strength of God's word, the testimony of God's spirit in our hearts through that word, through his sacraments. In all these ways, God is preserving us in the faith and defending us against all of these snares. Lutherans at the Old Latin School in Lutherstadt Wittenberg, love, issues, etc. Does God give everyone a unique destiny or purpose? Something that he wants you to do, something usually world-changing that he wants you to do, and that's why he put you here on earth. And does he communicate that purpose to you through your dreams? Well, Jensen Franklin says, yes and yes. Is that what the Bible teaches? Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in live on this Monday afternoon, the 6th of November. Pastor Chris Roseborough of Fighting for the Faith joins us for this week in Pop Christianity. We'll respond to Jensen Franklin's teaching that you need to remember your dream. Then Noel Merring, a fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, will outline the strategy of woke ideology. Pastor Chris Roseborough is pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota. He's creator and host of the YouTube channel Fighting for the Faith. Chris, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Todd. You have coined the term dream destiny doctrine. I think sometimes you call it dream destiny thingy. What is this teaching in pop Christianity? So it's kind of based in the old uh, Four Spiritual Laws tract that uh, evangelicals used to pass out. And the idea behind it is, uh, you know, kind of the first spiritual law is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And Rick Warren kind of changed that all up and back, in, you know, in the day when he wrote The Purpose Driven Life. And he became God loves you and has a purpose for your life. And so purpose and dream oftentimes are synonymous. That the, this idea that God has a very specific, unique mission for you to accomplish. He has a very specific goal that you need to attend to or a problem in the world that he created you to solve. And uh, and that's the basic concept behind the dream destiny thingy. And so you first have to learn how to hear God's audible voice, and then you have to make yourself worthy to hear whatever the dream is in its entirety. And, and, and if so, then you are beholden to obey the voice of God and pursue this dream with all that you got. 
Is there a kernel of truth in there that obviously gets lost in the emphasis on God's grand purpose for the individual's life? So there is a kernel of truth in it, and it's actually found in Ephesians chapter 2. And let me, let me read the relevant portion of, of Scripture. We're all familiar with verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So when I'm catechizing an adult who's come out of this type of teaching, the dream destiny thingy, or purpose-driven teaching, I, you know, it's true that God absolutely has good works, plural, for them to accomplish in their life. God has created us in Christ Jesus for good works, which then begs the question, what is a good work? And then you'll note that it, it doesn't say that God created us in Christ Jesus for a singular purpose or to fulfill a specific dream. Instead, we are called to good works, which then begs the question, where do we find out what a good work is? And here's where the law is super handy. In the Ten Commandments, we are given laws pertaining to our worship of God, as well as our love and service towards neighbor in our good works. And so there's this thing called the third use of the law. Gasp, yes, it's a real thing. And the third use of the law informs us, Christian, what our good works are. And so rather than looking to fulfill a specific dream destiny, we are instead instructed to love and serve our neighbor in good works. And those are defined then by God's law, by honoring our father and mother, not murdering our neighbors, but instead caring for them in their bodily needs, not committing adultery, which means do not engage in sexual sin. Then on top of that, you have not stealing. And so not only do we not take things from our neighbor, but we protect his possessions. We are then to protect our neighbor's reputation by not bearing false witness against them, slandering them, or gossiping about them. And then, of course, we have the whole coveting bits, which are things that occur in our hearts. So there's all these good works that we are to be about the business of doing as Christians because we are saved, not in order to be saved. And these are the things that we are created in Christ Jesus for, not a specific unique purpose, instead the good works that are defined by God's law. Who is Jensen Franklin? So uh, Jensen Franklin, very, very popular, charismatic Pentecostal preacher, pastor of the Free Chapel, oftentimes appears on TBN and other religious broadcasting outlets. He's somebody that I've been covering on Fighting for the Faith for more than a decade now, and I have yet to see him rightly handle a biblical text. What are we going to hear from him to kick it off? So the this is a sermon about not forgetting your dream. And so he's going to start off uh, by summarizing bits of the story of Joseph and then switch over to Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel chapter 2 and start to try to draw conclusions or applications from these texts, at least how he's misreading them. We'll, we'll kind of let him explain it. Open your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Genesis chapter 42. Now Joseph was governor over the land, and it was he who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them and spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, where did you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. 
So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. Now notice, then, everybody say then. When he saw him, when he saw the brothers that had done him so wrong, when he saw the brothers that he had not seen in 20 plus years, he remembered the dreams that he had dreamed about them. What was the dream? If you read the book of Genesis and 37, 38, he dreamed of a harvest and he saw those brothers bowing down in that dream. He remembered the dream when he saw his brothers. I want to talk to you for a few moments and I'm really going to preach to dreamers and you say, I don't have one. Well, you're in the right place today. Daniel chapter two, there's a strange dream that God gave Nebuchadnezzar, Babylonian king. And in the dream, it was so dynamic that it would shape the entire story of human history. He had, a, he saw a statue in a dream that had a gold head. Notice the deterioration of, of human existence, kingdoms. It starts with gold. It has silver, brass, iron, and then ending with clay feet. But here's the amazing thing about this dream. He forgot it when he woke up. You would think something that important, something that is historic and world-shaking, but he could not re recall it. He forgot it. And he said, the thing, that's what he called it in Daniel 2. He said, the thing has left me. So he calls his magicians and he calls his soothsayers and his fortune tellers and his witches. And he calls them in and he says, tell me the dream and tell me the interpretation. I cannot bring it up. I can't remember it. I've forgotten the dream. And, the, and, and he said, if you don't do it, I'm going to kill you. I believe that a lot of people have forgotten the dream. And God needs to give a restoration of the dream to every person in this room. So what did he do with both Joseph and Nebuchadnezzar there? Okay, so with the Joseph text, the phrase that I learned from Dr. Rosenblatt is he put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. And so he highlighted this idea that Joseph remembered the dream and is somehow, basically you'll note that there's an assumption on his part, and that is, is that you have also received a dream from God, and like Joseph, you may have forgotten it. So he's taking this text that is a descriptive text. It is not, you know, Joseph's life is a type and shadow of the, of the life of Jesus Christ and in, in very profound ways. But uh, it, it somehow reads the story of Joseph as if somehow Joseph had a dream, therefore you're going to have a dream too. But then he uses as a cross-reference Daniel chapter 2, where Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And here's where we're going to have to note that something interesting has happened here in his mishandling of this text. He's mishandled both of them. But in his mishandling of Daniel chapter 2, he has asserted that Nebuchadnezzar has forgotten the dream that he had the night before. And he's basing this on the King James version of the Bible, the, the translation of the King James. Basically, Nebuchadnezzar says, the word has gone from me. And he's misinterpreting what Nebuchadnezzar has said to somehow mean that Nebuchadnezzar was saying, oh, I've forgotten the dream, so I need you to tell me what it was. That's just pure baloney. The text itself, uh, if you read a modern translation, Nebuchadnezzar says that the word for me is firm. In other words, 
I expect you, you magicians and you Chaldeans, I expect you to first tell me the dream, then tell me its interpretation. And the reason why he was saying this is because he didn't want them to fill his head with nonsense. And he wanted them to prove that they had the ability to tell him the interpretation by also telling him what the dream was without him having to relay it to him. And so this was to test the veracity of their interpretation. Of course, that would require them to know the thoughts of his mind when he was having the dream. And of course, the magicians failed to be able to do this. And this is where God steps in into the story. But you'll note that what Jensen Franklin is doing here, he wants his emphasis to be in the sermon that God has given you a dream. And like Joseph, you've forgotten it. And like Nebuchadnezzar, you've forgotten it. But Nebuchadnezzar actually didn't forget the dream. And so this is a good reminder for us that when a pastor doesn't do his homework, when he doesn't study and show himself approved as a workman who need not blush with embarrassment, but who can rightly divide the word of truth, when he makes a gaffe like this, it shows that he hasn't done his homework. He's not legitimately reading the text ahead of time, checking the commentaries, working through his notes to make sure that he's accurately conveying the meaning of a passage. In fact, I would uncharitably say, and I, I recognize it's uncharitable on my part, that Jensen Franklin has never appeared to me as a man who seems to be careful in how he handles a biblical text. He seems to know how he wants to use biblical text to teach the doctrines he wants to teach, and as a result of it, he frequently and regularly and habitually mishandles God's Word, and of course misses the whole point of all of these texts, which ultimately are to point us to Christ and to call us to repent. I think the Apostle John, in his thesis statement for the Gospel of John, that thesis statement applies to all Scripture. These things are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you might have life in his name. But instead, Jensen Franklin is dead set on manipulating these texts and emphasizing things that are not in them. And that's, I think, the reason why he's not reading them in context and reading out what's really going on in these passages. We're talking about Jensen Franklin's teaching on the importance of not forgetting your dream. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. Patrick Chris Rosebro of Fighting for the Faith is our guest. So how does Franklin get to many of you who have forgotten your dream? This is Pastor Matthew Harrison, President of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The LCMS operates the second largest parochial school system in the United States. What can you expect from a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school? There's one race, the human race. And Jesus died for the sins of every man, woman, and child from every land and every nation. Life begins at conception. All life is precious from womb to tomb. And every student, parent, and teacher is created in the very image of God. There's right and wrong, and we know which is which from the Ten Commandments. There are only two sexes, male and female, he created them. Marriage is the lifelong union of one man and one woman. There's such a thing as objective, absolute truth, and it's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and his word. To find a Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod school near you, visit lcms.org schools. A voice in the wilderness of American evangelicalism. You're listening to Issues Etc. 
two millennia ago, Pilate uttered one of the most profound questions that we still ask in the modern era. What is truth? Many today would say that truth, like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder, or perhaps in the heart. But that's not what truth is for the Christian people of God. Truth is found in Christ alone. To learn more about the Lutheran view of truth, pick up the November issue of The Lutheran Witness. Visit cph.org witness or our website witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Issues Etc. regular guest Dr. Beverly Yonke of Doxology has this to say about the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November. This book will be a valuable asset for pastors and ladies seeking a clear and faithful resource on the faithful, light-shining role of the humble Christian servant in each of the three estates. She's talking about faith that shines in culture by Issues Etc. guest Dr. Alfonso Espinosa. It's the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November. Call Concordia Publishing House and order Faith That Shines in Culture, 1-800-325-3040, or browse before you buy at our website, issuesetc.org. Faith That Shines in Culture. Pastor Chris Rosebro is our guest. We're talking about Jensen Franklin's teaching on the importance of not forgetting your dream. So before the break, you were talking about how he mangled the various texts he was trying to preach from. How does he get to his main message, which is, Many of you who have also forgotten your dream. (laughs) Well, this is not exegesis. This is the leap of logic that so many people make, and it's a narcissistic leap because you believe that somehow your life is special. You're special. You have a special dream from God. And I would note that uh, the Apostle Paul actually prophesied that uh, a day would come when people would be lovers of self. Google like the the nine traits of somebody with narcissistic personality disorder. I would note that this type of preaching really kind of assumes one of the core tenets of people with narcissistic personality disorder, and that is is that they believe that they are legitimately the bee's knees, that they have this, this special enchanted purpose and destiny in life, and it's all about them fulfilling all the, and it doesn't matter who they step on or who they crush in order to fulfill those things. And so he's really preaching in a way that feeds narcissism, feeds the narcissism of our sinful flesh, and puffs up the ego of our sinful self to make us believe that we really truly are special, and we've got to get back to achieving that blessed dream and purpose that God has for our life. And so without any exegetical warrant, he just makes that narcissistic leap and just flips the text completely about him or about you or me when it's not about us at all. What's up next? So now we're going to hear him speaking about God's favor. And I really legitimately want your listeners to consider before we get to this, what is it that gives us God's favor? How do we achieve it? 
and we don't, by the way, it's given. But see if you hear anything related to how one really does have God's favor in this quote. In the story of Joseph, the Bible said that Jacob, Joseph's father, loved him more than his other sons and made him a coat of favor, a coat of many colors that represented his favor on his son. And it upset the other brothers because his favor was on that boy in the form of that coat of many colors. It's the favor of God upon his children that I believe upsets hell as much as anything. And it's obvious to me, we, we, we don't take any credit. We're careful to give God the glory, but I just want to proclaim that God's favor is upon this church. That God's favor is upon this place. That God's favor is upon His people and upon His families that are represented under the sound of my voice at all of our campuses. I don't have time to waste anymore. And I feel like saying when the favor of God is on you, you need to recognize the favor of God is on you. Not for your glory, not for your fame, not for your name, but for His name and His kingdom that will never end. Turn to somebody and say, the favor of the Father is here. I think about Esther. I think about how in the book of Esther, God's name is not mentioned one time. It's the only book in the Bible God's name is not found in any form. He's not even mentioned. Not one time does it say and somebody prayed to God or anything. Esther, you remember the story of Esther? There's a, there's a man named Haman. He's going to kill all the Jews, including her, and hang, and, and hang uh, Mordecai from a, from, a, from, a, from a hanging noose. It's bad. And God is nowhere in the whole book of Esther. His name in no form is mentioned. Which tells me sometimes God doesn't autograph everything He's doing. He's just doing it. He's not telling you about it. He's not signing his initials on it. He's working even when you don't see it. He's working even when he's not announcing it or autographing it. The stuff you lay awake and worry about, he's already sustaining it and saying, now the enemy has delayed and hindered, but I'm just going to use that to get all this junk out of you, Joseph. But when you get there, the dream will be sustained. Somebody shout, my dream is alive. The dream is alive. The dream is alive. So Chris, first let's deal with how he dealt with God's favor. Yeah. So... This is, I think, one of the most duplicitous bits of this particular sermon is that he's talking about God's favor apart from the shed blood of Christ on the cross and making blanket statements that make it appear as if somehow God's favor is locked up or manifested in that we have good things in this life or we have a purpose or things like this. But I would note that that's not true. God's favor is demonstrated by the fact that Christ has bled and died for our sins. And so whether we are rich or poor, whether we are tall or short or skinny or fat or old or young, none of these things matter. They are not the indicators of God's favor and his mercy towards us. It was the indicator of his mercy 
mercy towards us is in the means of grace. We find it in the absolution when we hear from the pastor, I as a called and ordained servant of the word, I announce the grace of God unto all of you and in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins. You see, that is something tangible that we can hang on to and say that we have the favor of God regardless of the circumstances in our life. We have the favor of God when we come to the communion rail and we hear from the pastor as he gives us the body and blood of Christ. Take, eat. This is the true body of Christ given into death for the forgiveness of your sins. Take, drink. This is the true blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. We have God's favor, his grace, his mercy, and all of the benefits and hope of eternal life in a world without end, regardless of the suffering that we go through. And I would note that there's no glory in me. As In fact, I every time I look in the mirror nowadays, I, I say the word Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. You know, and, and it's departing even more and more day by day. And one of these days, you know, this body of mine will lose all of its glory and be moldering in a grave. But that is no indicator of God's grace and mercy and favor towards me, whether my body fall apart or, or not. I have God's favor because of what Christ has done for me on the cross. And so beware of preachers who will speak platitudes regarding God's favor in an unconnected way to the cross. Rather than actually teaching you about God's favor, they may actually be just bloating you with the empty promises and things that have nothing to do with the actual favor of God. He's teaching people to look to their circumstances to determine whether or not God is favorably disposed toward them. And I think Luther would have called him a theologian of glory. That is absolutely correct. And so when we talk about the the theologian of glory and the theologian of the cross, over and again, when we talk about theologians of glory, they are theologians of self-glory. And all of their lip service to the fact, well, it's not about our glory, it's about God's glory. But that's not true. It's actual lip service. It really is about their glory, God glorifying them, God making them healthy, God making them wealthy, God making them wise, God making them influential, God giving them a a world-changing purpose. They're fulfilling their purpose and changing the world. It's really always about their glory. But you'll note that the good works that we're called to in Christ there's really no glory to them. In fact, the world despises them as ordinary and plain, and even many people in the church, theologians of glory, despise them as ordinary and plain because they're not theologians of the cross, where we recognize first and foremost Christ, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, emptied himself, became nothing, became a servant, and was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God exalts him because of the resurrection, after the resurrection, all those things. And then we are called as Christians to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. And what does that mean to do? To serve our neighbor in more ordinary, mundane good works. It means preparing meals for children, changing diapers, working hard at a nine-to-five job and having an hour-long commute to and from work every morning. It means uh, mowing the lawn. It means caring for your elderly parents. It means all of the ordinary things that we do. Those are the good works that we're called to, and you'll note that nobody cares about those things, but God does because we know from Scripture that those good works actually please God because he's commanded us in his word to do these things. That's Chris Rosebro is our guest. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. We're talking about Jensen Franklin's teaching on remembering your dream. When we return, Franklin's going to talk about two things that make you forget your dream, and Pastor Rosebro will respond. 
Right now, many churches are planning their budgets for the next fiscal year. You can promote your confessional Lutheran church and support the worldwide outreach of issues, etc. by becoming a congregational sponsor. When your church pledges $1,000, we'll publicize your congregation on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Learn more on the support donate page at issuesetc.org. Don't miss your congregation's budget deadline. Become an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Our church loves and is grateful for those that serve our country. Operation Barnabas, part of Ministry to the Armed Forces, equips you to reach out to veterans in your community to bring Christ to those that served. Call Ministry to the Armed Forces at 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. Thank you for your service. Thank you. God bless our military. Christ-centered, cross-focused, you're listening to Issues Etc. Athanasius, Bishop of Alexandria in the 4th century, was known for boldly confessing Jesus Christ as both true God and true man. This is what we do at St. Athanasius Lutheran Church in Vienna, Virginia, just outside Washington, D.C., continuing this historic confession of our Savior, who died for us and now comes to us in word and sacrament. If you live in the D.C. area or just visiting, Come join us. For more information, find us on the web, St. Athanasius Lutheran Church. The blood of Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin. Listen to chapel services live weekday mornings from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Morning Chapel from Kramer Chapel. Live weekday mornings at 9 Central, 10 Eastern, 8 Mountain, and 7 Pacific at issuesetc.org. Even when we are faithless, He remains faithful. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. We're listening to Jensen Franklin say that we don't want to forget our dream. Pastor Chris Rosebro is our guest. What's next from Franklin? Well, now that he's completely hijacked these texts and made them about you and I, he's going to give us two things that uh, we need to remember so that we don't forget our dreams. There are two things that could have stolen the dream from Joseph, and they're the same things that will steal your dream. Number one, when he saw his brothers, he remembered his dream, not his bitterness, not his animosity, not his anger. There is nothing that can steal our dreams like animosity toward our own family, our own brothers, our own sisters, our own mom, our own dad, our own son, our own daughter, our own father, our own mother. There is nothing that will dry up and steal the dream more than you allowing bitterness to get in you and start hating someone and wanting revenge. Instead of remembering their lies, Instead of remembering the pit, instead of remembering the prison, instead of remembering all the things that, they had, that he had gone through, he remembered the dream and he realized if I hadn't gone through that, I couldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have not been in Egypt. God, what they did was wrong, but God meant it. They meant it for my evil, but God has used it for my good. So why should I be embittered against them? 
The dream. Secondly, this is so important. Think of how the Bible described Joseph in the text. He's sitting as the governor of all the land. He has a coat that Pharaoh himself took off of his back, a robe, and put on him and put his ring on his hand. He is living the blessings of palace life. And it's possible that the dream, maybe the reason he didn't remember the dream is he was so called up in the party in the palace and the blessed life. Not that God didn't put him there. Not that God didn't give him all of that. But it could not and was not supposed. The great threat is the more God blesses us, we allow those things to steal the dream. He got distracted with the palace. He got distracted with the party. He got distracted and forgot about the harvest. Forgot about the dream. The dream was about the harvest. And I'm afraid that's a picture of the church. The palace is a type of the church. Uh, when you're back in the palace, when you're back in the favor, when you're enjoying the festivals of palace life, the beauty and all of the blessings of a home and everything that God has blessed you with, don't forget the dream, Joseph. Don't forget. So, Chris, what is Jensen Franklin telling his people? So, basically, like Joseph, didn't let the, the bitterness of the circumstances he had to go through, he allowed them to maybe have him forget the dream. He still remembered the dream. But because now you supposedly live in a palace like he does, don't let palace living keep you from remembering the dream that God has called you to. And none of these, neither of these things have anything remotely to do with the story of Joseph. The story of Joseph, again, is a type and shadow of the life of Jesus Christ and him humbling himself. You can even say in dying and rising again and God exalting him and how he saves the entire world. That's the whole point. The story of Jesus is the story of Joseph writ large in the Old Testament. And you have to almost be biblically illiterate to not see that connection because the connections are so deep. So where Jensen is having people focus, I got to remember that dream. Maybe I was being bitter or maybe I'm just too enamored by the blessed life that God has given me here in my palace. This is, again, just complete narcissistic nonsense. What's the real understanding of that Joseph story that should be preached rather than what Franklin Jensen has been preaching? So the story of Joseph you think about it. He's betrayed for pieces of silver by his own brothers who sell him into slavery in Egypt. And in Egypt, he commits no sin, yet he's thrown in prison and in prison for 13 years. And we learn from the Psalms that he was made to suffer, had shackle around his neck and things like this. But God exalted Joseph, let him out of prison and made him second in command of all of Egypt. And because of that, the entire world is saved from dying. And Joseph saves the world through his death and his resurrection, if you would, figuratively. And all of this then points to the forgiveness and mercy that we have in Jesus, because rather than Jesus going off kind of Count of Monte Cristo style on his brothers and getting revenge against them, I think about that Klingon proverb that you learn from the Wrath of Khan, that revenge is a dish best served cold. Rather than going Edmund Dantes on his brothers, instead, Joseph goes Jesus on his brothers, and he, rather than giving them what they deserve and getting his vengeance on them, 
he is reunited in love and he recognizes that what he was made to go through, God put him through that in order to save them. And so he forgives them and pardons them and lives in peace with them in a brand new place altogether. All of this points to what Christ does for us. So when you take Jesus out of the center of scripture and you stop looking for him and you start looking for yourself, you end up with sermons like we heard Jensen Franklin preach. Pastor Chris Rosebro is pastor of Consfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota. He's creator and host of the YouTube channel, Fighting for the Faith. Find out more about Fighting for the Faith at issuesetc.org. Click Talk on Demand Archives. Chris, thanks. Thank you, Todd. We will be talking about understanding the strategy of woke ideology with Noel Merring of the Ethics and Public Policy Center next. How can Christians live out their faith in the church, the family, and the government? Find out in the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November, Faith That Shines in the Culture. It's written by regular guest Dr. Alfonso Espinosa. Learn more about Faith That Shines in the Culture at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. Faith That Shines in the Culture, the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November. Are you looking for an investment that aligns with your Lutheran values? Look no further than Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Hi, my name is Rahima Kavuga, Director of Synod Relations at LCEF, and we're proud to be an entity of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, which means our focus is clear. When you invest with LCEF, you're helping LCMS-supported ministries and dedicated church workers. Learn more at lcef.org. It's not about you. It's about Jesus for you. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press's award-winning curriculum is used by homeschoolers all over the world. Their classical Christian education materials provide everything you need for kindergarten through 12th grade, including books, guides, lesson plans, and instructional videos. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Faithful Christians are facing enormous challenges and uncertainties. Where are we to find our strength? Join us at St. John Lutheran in Sycamore, Illinois, as Pastor Adam Kuntz presents on the theme, Strong Under Pressure, the Church's Life in Paul's First Letter to Timothy. This conference is on Saturday, November 18th. Go to ChristianFaithAndLife.com for more information and to register. That's ChristianFaithAndLife.com.